Take away the world's desire when we pray. Holy Spirit, lift us higher when we pray. When we pray. When we pray. Let it not be for a season when we pray. Give us wisdom and a reason when we pray. Let your name be our petition when we pray. When we
prayer. Praises be to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Holy One of Israel, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I give you thanks and praise for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. I give thanks for a mind to pray, a heart to seek your face, and authority to bring my members into subjection. I thank you for this moment and the opportunity that each day brings. I know that each day is special and I am empowered with unlimited potential. There are no ceilings on my life, obstacles that cannot be overcome, or barriers that can stand in my way. In fact, this is the greatest day of my life, and I am free to exercise all of the gifts and talents you have blessed me with. My hopes and dreams can manifest today, and I approach this moment with great expectation for miracles, breakthrough, and deliverance. I stand before you, Lord, naked, offering no excuses or justifications for my shortcomings and weaknesses. I come, Lord, seeking your standard and not those of men. I pray that you will forgive me my sins, known and unknown. Forgive every thought, deed, action, motive, or intent of my heart that is not lined up with your word, your will, or your calling and purpose for my life. Please forgive secret faults and uproot any seed of discontent that has been planted in my life. Forgive me, Lord, if I have held back the tithe, and give me a heart to restore every person that I have wronged. Just as you forgive me, I forgive those that have wronged me, and I let go of any art, bitterness, or ill will that I have held in my heart. I will not allow sin and bitterness to cut off the flow of blessings into my life. I repent right now in the name of Jesus, and I receive the power of the blood to cleanse me from all iniquity. I come before you, Lord, with a heart that is after your own, and a mind that has stayed on you. I thank you, Lord, for saving me from myself and the consequences of sin. I surrender, Lord, and give you total and complete reign over my life. I willingly submit to you in thanksgiving and praise. I thank you, Lord, for the relationship and fellowship that you have allowed me to share with you. I thank you for every moment, prayer, word, and opportunity to gain revelation and understanding concerning you. Forgive me for the times I have taken you for granted or moments where I have allowed my focus and discipline to slip. I choose you, Lord, and all of your benefits and denounce all ties and fellowship with the world. I have no place in the world and denounce everything that it offers. You have given me a choice, Lord, and I choose to be in covenant with you. I have crossed the line of no return, and I will not look back. Each day I am getting more and more like you and growing further and further from this world. My reality in Christ is more real than what my natural eyes behold, and I know that you are not a million miles away. You are right here with me every step of the way. I will have confidence in you, Lord, concerning every situation I face, every decision I make, and every temptation in my path. Give me an ear, Lord, to hear your instruction, eyes that will not be deceived, and a heart that will remain faithful. My life has been built on the foundation that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You died on the cross for my sins and your blood was shed for me. I exercise total faith and confidence in my belief that death was powerless to hold you in the grave and that you rose again and resurrected every dead thing. I receive your resurrection power and declare that there is no dead thing in my life. I speak life and all things pertaining to me, 
Even now, Lord, I pray that you will breathe life into my relationships, my home, my dreams, my career, and my calling and purpose. Let there be no cracks in my foundation and restore every bone that has been broken. I pray, Lord, that dead branches be pruned for me and my harvest bear much fruit. I offer no resistance and pray that all ungodly distractions be pruned for me, whether they are people, unhealthy relationships, environments, dead situations, ungodly influences, or anything that is not expedient for me. I distance myself right now from every dead thing and release them from my life in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that I have inherited life through your sacrifice, forgiveness for my sins through your blood, revelation through your word, and I have been empowered by your spirit. I take precious time, Lord, to fully grasp and consider what my relationship with you means. Help me to never lose sight of the fact that I have an adversary that must be fought each day. My adversary is the world and Satan who is the prince of this world. The world around me is not my home and each day it becomes more a reflection of Satan, its prince. I am not ignorant to Satan's devices and I understand that the world is designed for my destruction. The allurement of pleasure and the temptations that cross my eyes are for the purpose of robbing me of everything I have inherited through Christ. Every trap, every lust, and the pride that is in the world are set against me on all sides. The hope that I have is in patiently walking according to your word and staying firm to the covenant I have made with you. The world cannot strip me of my authority, but I can hand it over. I will not be deceived by what I see, hear, or how I feel. If it is not of God, then it is for my destruction. Help me, Lord, to see the spirit behind the temptation. The word tells me that Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes that I might have life and have it more abundantly. I rebuke and bind every influence that seeks to draw me away from you. For it is nothing more than a gateway to hell and will rob me of my eternal destiny. Father, I know you are able to do all things and there is nothing that is impossible for you. Right now, Lord, I remember my first love. And I am prepared today to exercise faith in the light of circumstances. Sacrifice my own wants and desires in order to embrace yours. Stand on the word of God, even if it causes me to be peculiar. Deny my flesh and feelings, regardless of the temptation, and not make decisions based on what I see or think. I will forget about the past and press towards the mark. I will walk as a prophet of God, put my head up, and if somebody is there to encourage me, then I will encourage myself. I will not be ashamed to follow the examples of Christ, even in the face of persecution. To think differently in the light of the negative labels and slander I may endure. Nor will I be afraid to take a stand in the minority, even if it seems as if the whole world is standing against me. I am willing to abstain when others are eager to participate. To speak out when my words may cause me to be ostracized. And to believe the Bible even when it is the unpopular thing to do. In other words, I am prepared to live like Jesus. I release my faith right now in the name of Jesus. Whatever situation I'm in, whatever I'm dealing with, and regardless of what odds are against me, I will be steadfast and unmovable. I am an elite company and encompassed about by a great cloud of witnesses. The words of this prayer will comfort me, build up my spirit, man, and encourage me in the way. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I rebuke, bind, and cast down Satan and his forces of darkness from any involvement, activity, or distractions in this prayer. I commission my angels to come against every thought, feeling, influence, and hindrance that is set against me. I stand in the gap for my family and friends and pursue the Lord with all of my heart. Even as I hear the words of this prayer, my body is regenerating itself. My body is preparing itself for another productive day. My body is developing according to your plan, and health is being released in all of my organs, tissue, 
bones, bodily systems, veins, arteries, and muscles. My brain is processing the information consistent with your word and filtering out everything that is not of you. My heart is being protected from all ungodly influences and my innocence is being guarded. I have and will always have a sound mind that is saturated in your word. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I rebuke evil spirits from attaching to me in any way, shape, or form. They have no place, familiarity, or invitation in my life. They do not enter into my eyes, my ears, my mind, or my heart. My spirit, man, has victory over them all the days of my life. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I rebuke, bind, and cast down, and break all generational curses. I decree by the blood of the Lamb and the power given to me as joint heir with Jesus Christ that I will not be the victim of physical, mental, or emotional abuse, nor will I have, serve, or entertain idols or false gods. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I decree that I am not a covenant breaker, and my yea is yea and my nay is nay. I pray, Lord, that you protect me from all hurt, harm, pain, and danger, and those that mean me ill will. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I have the patience of Job, the meekness of Moses, the heart of David, the favor of Joseph, the ear of Samuel, the courage of Joshua, the wisdom of Daniel, the zeal of Peter, the love of John, the faithfulness of Abraham, and the boldness of Paul. I abide in the fruits of the Spirit all the days of my life, and even now these fruits are growing in me. Lord, help me to be a person of great faith, consistent in good deeds, and a constant encourager. I will continue to love you with all of my heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit, and to love my neighbor as myself. In the name of Jesus and the power of your blood, I pray, Lord, that you are first in everything that I do, and I have no priority greater than you all the days of my life. I am eternally connected to you and have an expectation in heaven. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I pray that my face be before the Lord always and that your angels encamp around me and deliver me. Order my steps in the word and design my days according to your will. The Lord touches my mouth and puts his words in it. Lord, I will go wherever you send me and speak whatever you give me to speak. I am not afraid of their faces because your sword protects me at all times. Father, you are my sustainer, my provider, my comforter, my guide, my strength, and most of all, my friend. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I equip myself right now with the whole armor of God that I am covered from head to toe in every aspect of my life. There should be no parts of my life that are exposed on the inside or out, but all should be covered by the blood of Jesus. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I put on the helmet of salvation. I have been redeemed from all traces of poverty and I rebuke and bind a poverty spirit. You supply all of my needs, and I am blessed all the days of my life. In the name of Jesus, I speak abundant harvest in my life. My bank accounts are overflowing, and my barns are full. The blessings of the Lord overtake and pursue me all the days of my life. I speak financial security and wholeness over my family and the perfect will of God in my life. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I rebuke, bind, and curse the spirit of death. I shall not see untimely death, nor shall death have any hold over me. I shall fulfill all of my days, months, hours, years, minutes, and seconds. I have divine order in my life, and death has no grip on me. A thousand shall fall by my side, and ten thousand by my right hand, but it shall not come nigh me. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, my feet are shod with the gospel of peace. Peace rests upon me and covers my mind and heart. I have peace in the midst of storms, chaos, and confusion. Your peace comforts me in times of trial and sustains me from being weary. It surpasses all understanding, rendering logic helpless, and my faith sustains me. Father, you are an awesome God. 
You are not a million miles away, but right here with me each and every day. You walk with me, talk with me, and guide me every step of the way. You love me, and I rest in you, and I know that you are my God. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I have been empowered with the sword of the spirit, and I have authority over all power of Satan. I rejoice and celebrate that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. The sword of the Lord shall never depart from me, and I speak boldness into my spirit. I rebuke, bind, and cast down the spirit of fear. You have not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. When I walk through the waters, you are with me. When I go through the rivers, you help me. And when I pass through the fire, the flame does not kindle upon me. You have set your love upon me, and you protect me all the days of my life. The hedge of protection rests on me, and your fire shall be in my spirit. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, the shield of faith is an extension of my arm. My faith shall not fail me, and I trust in the Lord with all of my heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. If you said it, then I know that you will do it. You shall not withhold any good thing from me, and you are able to perform your word in my life. I fortify my faith by releasing the promises of God into my life. Every word you have spoken concerning my destiny shall be established and come to pass, and my enemies shall not prevail against me. In the name of Jesus, I pray over my marriage. I pray that my marriage will continue to be everything that the word of God called it to be. My marriage shall be built on faithfulness, trust, loyalty, and a mutual love of God. You shall be the head of my house, at the center of everything we do, and the word of God shall be the binding and final authority in all matters. I am God's ambassador in my house, and I shall cover my spouse all the days of my life, through my word, examples, character, and deeds. My marriage is blessed and washed in the blood, and shall weather any challenges that arise against it. Our love continues to grow stronger each day, as the Lord allows us to see more of Him in one another. If I am single, then I confess total contentment within myself, wholeness in my life, patience to wait on God, and security in Christ. I am a person of high self-esteem and significant value to the kingdom. I will not compromise my covenant with God, nor will I allow fear to cause me to operate in the fleshly realm. I exercise complete and total control over my mind, my will, and my emotions, and I do not leave any doors open for Satan to sneak in. I understand that every relationship is not for me. Every person does not have my best interests. All that glitters isn't gold, and every sugary thing is not sweet. In the name of Jesus, I will not be distracted by counterfeits and wolves in sheep's clothing. I will not lower my biblical expectations, nor will I give in to the pressures of the world. I have total confidence in God and the plan that he has for my life. In the name of Jesus, I surrender my children to you, Lord. And trust you to impart me with the ability and wisdom to raise them in the fear of the Lord. I make a commitment to my children to openly receive the instruction in your word on how to raise them, love them, and properly present them before you at that day. I pray that your calling and purpose will be fulfilled in them and ask that you guide and direct me in all matters concerning them. I shall be careful to represent you before them in everything that I say or do. I commit to live holy before them and set godly examples for them to follow. I shall not be a hypocrite, and I shall practice what I preach. I shall be a provider and protector for them, and make whatever sacrifices are necessary to ensure them a wonderful life. I shall fight to preserve their innocence and protect them from the brainwashing of the world. My expectation in them shall come to pass, and the blessings set out in your words shall be established in them. My children shall see you in everything that I say and do. In the name of Jesus, I seal my soul to the words of this covenant, that it is the declaration of my heart, that every word be lined up with the perfect will of God, 
and line by line with his understanding. Let the Lord Jesus Christ be the final arbitrator of my mind and heart, and that this covenant be in all ways pleasing in the sight of God. I thank you, Lord, that you love me and that you hear me. I thank you, Lord, for a mind to share intimate fellowship with you. I thank you that these words shall be established in my heart and mind, that they shall be a part of me and guide and direct my paths at all times. <coughs> I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity and this second chance. I look forward to your return, and I know that nothing that I have done or sacrificed has been in vain. Thank you for this life, who I am in Christ, and for all blessings you have bestowed upon me. Amen. 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 Good evening. And first of all, happy Sabbath. And happy we Sabbath. hope that you had a wonderful and a blessed week. Yes, we do. We hope you had a great week. And uh, everything is lovely. We got a little snow. Yes, we did. But the snow is about gone now. But it was gorgeous. I enjoyed it. Yes, they was calling for more snow. They uh, calling for more snow, I think, this week. This week. So... Uh, no complaints for no, me. No complaints. <laughs> I, uh, and if you are uh, living to see us know, you don't have any complaints. That's right. It's a yeah, blessing. It's a blessing, yes, I'm telling you. That's right. So we want to thank you for joining us right here on LPJ 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing Bible Study Hour. Oh, yes. And it's so wonderful to be here again to study the law and words together. Amen. I tell you. We're all on the same accord. He said, what? what? Two or more. And, yes. and on the same accord, the same he's in the accord. midst. He's in the midst. And you better believe it, he's in the midst because we're here for the same thing, same reason, looking for the same answers. That's right. We're going to be talking tonight about urban ministry in the end time. Yeah, that's right, urban ministry. We're going to tell you a lot about that. And we're going to start off in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 7. Yes. We're going to be reading that in the Amplified Version. It's uh, Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 7. And seek, inquire for, require, and request the peace and welfare of the city to which I have caused you to be carried away captive, and pray to the Lord for it. For in the welfare, welfare of the city in which you live, you will have welfare. All right, all right. And the NIV it says, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Well, first of all, talking about urban ministry. Well, it is estimated, first of all, that 83% of the U.S. population lives in the urban areas right now. Right now, believe it or not. And that's a lot. That's uh, 83%. 83%. That's a lot that live in the uh, urban areas. And exactly. And then by 2050, they are estimating that 89% of the U.S. population and 68% of the world population is projected to live in the urban areas. That's wow. Right. That tells you that uh, this country is getting well, well overpopulated. Oh, yes. In these big cities, it is very true. I think, what's the population of this country now? Like 
It's, I know it's seven billion. I was seven, looking at that the other day, and yes. it's over seven billion yes, people seven in billion this world. Eight hundred, I think. Yeah. It's well over. Well over. So in Revelation, first we're going to go to Revelation chapter 14 and verse 6. Revelation 14. Okay, mm. let me get, get that there. Okay, Revelation 14, 14 verse 6. Verse 6. Okay. Then I saw another angel flying in midair with an eternal gospel, the good news, to tell to the inhabitants of the earth, to every race, and tribe and language and people. Well, first of all, the three angels' messages call for the gospel to be preached to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Thus, wherever people live, the message must be brought to them. And because so many now live in the city or the urban areas, to the city we must go. To the city, yes, we must go. We must go there to preach the word of God. And I know that that is a rough area to be now yes. in, in all cities. There, there are not people living there and they're not wanting to hear the word of God. Uh, they don't want to talk about the word of God. God doesn't exist in most cities <clears throat> because exactly. uh, everything is going on there but God. I mean, right. you name it, gambling, prostitution, murder. I mean, you name it. Everything is going on but God. You know, in the nature of the city, the city brings together many different cultures, ethnic groups, languages, and religions. So traditionally, each group has its quarter or divine, divine territory. Increasingly, all kinds of people live next door to one another throughout metropolitan regions. The multicultural reality creates risk and complexity, but it also provides great opportunity for the gospel. So there is a greater tolerance for new ideals, a greater willingness to listen to new religions than often exists in a more traditional cultural setting outside of the cities. The city could provide access to many people who otherwise might never come to the Seventh-day Adventist message. Just to the message of the Word of God, the That's truth. Right, the truth. The three angels' message. Yes, the truth. So we also going to look at Acts chapter 18. Okay, Acts 18. Starting at 1, I think I'm going to read Acts 18, 1 through 28. All right. Acts chapter 18, starting at verse 1. After this, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently arrived from Italy with Priscilla, his wife due to the fact that Claudius had issued an edict that all the Jews were to leave Rome, and Paul went to see them. And because he was at the same, he was of the same occupation, he stayed with them, and they worked together, for they were tent makers by trade. But he discoursed and argued in the synagogue every Sabbath, and won over both Jews and Greeks. 
So by the time Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was completely engrossed with preaching, earnestly arguing, and testifying to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But since they kept opposing and abusing and reveling him, he shook out his clothes against them and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am innocent of it, for now on I will go to the Gentiles, the heathens. Verse 7, He then left there and went to the house of a man named Titus, Justice, who worshipped God and whose house was next door to the synagogue. But Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed that Jesus is the Messiah and acknowledged him with joyful trust as Savior and Lord. Together with his entire household and many of the Corinthians who listened to Paul also believed and were baptized. And one night the Lord said to Paul in a vision, Have no fear, but speak and do not keep silent. For I am with you, and no man shall assault you to harm you, for I have many people in this city. So he settled down among them for a year and six months, teaching the word of God concerning the attainment through the Christ of eternal salvation in the kingdom of God. But when Gal Galileo uh, was Persanus of Achaia, most of Greece, the Jews unitedly made an attack upon Paul and brought him before the judge's seat, declaring this fellow is advising and inducing and inciting people to worship God in violation of the law of Rome and of Moses. But when Paul was about to open his mouth to reply, Galileo said to the Jews, If it were a matter of some misdemeanor or violation, O Jews, I should have cause to bear with you and listen. But since it is merely a question of doctrine about words and names in your own law, see to it yourself. I decline to be a judge of such matters, and I have no intention of trying such cases. And he drove them away from the judgment seat. So then they, the Greek, all see Sophis, the leaders of the synagogue and beat him right in front of the judgment seat. But Gallio paid no attention to any of this. Afterward, Paul remained many days longer and then told the brethren farewell, sail for Syria, and he was accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. And at Syria, he, Paul, cut his hair, for he made a vow. Then they arrived in Ephesus, and Paul left the others there. But he himself entered the synagogue and discoursed and argued with the Jews. Well, I'm not going to read all that. We're just reading. I just want me to continue. No, no, you won't. We can we'll start right there and talk about that. Yeah. Okay, so to see one example how Paul pursued church planning in the cities, what points can we learn from what he did there? Well, for one, he continued. He was persistent. Yeah. He, he persevered. Right. He got upset a little bit, but what he, the Lord told him to continue, I am with you. That's right. He had the faith. He knew God was with him, mm -hmm. and he was going to obey God, and he was going to continue teaching and preaching, doing as God asked him to do. 
Uh, he was not uh, afraid of any man. Uh, regardless of what they said or what they threatened to do to him, it was like, I'm here and I'm here to do uh, God's work. And, and regardless of what you all say or how you threaten me, I'm not going to stop doing what God has asked me to do. And he continued on doing what he was asked to do by God. That's right. You know, in these urban centers, there was a mosaic of many languages, cultures, and ethnic groups. Just as cities have today, Yes. Paul found specific types of people with whom he connected. He found people who shared his connection to the Jewish faith, to Roman citizenship, and to the tent-making business in which he was trained. So he used these skills to support himself. He lived in the household of a couple who became believers and evangelists themselves. He taught in the synagogue until he was kicked out. And then he started a house church in the home of a believer. Yes. So he trained and he mentored enough new believers so that when he moved on, he could appoint people to lead the group. And that's, that's what happens in the yes. big city. Yes, you, you're going to be kicked around, talked about, and, and, and lied on and everything else. But there are so many people there that you will meet people like you that will help you fight your way through. Amen. You know, and that's what God is saying. Go, go, even though you will be talked about, kicked, denied, not wanted, not liked, but there will be someone there just like you. You will meet strangers that will be just like you, believing what you And they connected, you, you know, they had connection with his faith and he had a few supporters. Yes. So clearly Paul understood and was comfortable working in the multicultural, multi-faith context of the city. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 20 through 23. Verse 9, you say? Uh-huh. Chapter 9 and verse 20. Chapter okay. 9, okay. verse 20. We're going to do 21 through 23. So, to the Jews I became as a Jew that I might win Jews to men under the law. I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To, whose, to those without outside law, I became as one without law. Not that I am without the law of God and lawlessness towards him, but I am especially keeping within and committed to the law of Christ, that I might win those who are without law. Right. So okay. to the weak, wanting in discernment, I have become weak, wanting in discernment, that I might win the weak and over scrupulous, I have in short become all things to all men, that I might by all means at all costs and in any and every way Save some by winning them to faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, yeah, so look at that. Paul became something he wasn't. Because right, he, he became all, right. all he, things to all men. To all men, because he was trying to win souls. So, like he said. So he became a man that he wasn't to win those that wasn't anything, didn't even know God, didn't, didn't know anything about God. Knowing that he would, he would pull some in. And like he said, verse 23, and I do this 
for the sake of the good news, the gospel, in order that I may become a participator in it and share in it blessings along with you. So he knew how to adapt to the environment that he was in. Because he was just like Jesus. Mm -hmm. When Jesus was here on the earth, he walked among the whores, the prostitutes, the, the alcohol, the tax collectors, all of them. He didn't expect them to come up to his level like we do. We, if we got a certain degree or, or we all got a master's degree or PhD. We want to act like we're we better. Want, we act like we better. We look down on people. We want mm -hmm. people to come up to our level. If you can't come up to my level, then you ain't nobody. Jesus didn't do that. He taught Paul to he do the same thing. Paul went to their level to bring them to Jesus. Amen. So and he also learned how to present the truth in order to best meet the needs of those he was trying to reach. Right. And and Paul hadn't went to their level. I don't care how much truth he known, he wouldn't have reached anybody. That's correct. See, the thing is, God said so you have to much humble yourself. Mm -hmm. in order to bring those to me that don't know me. That's correct. If you don't know how to humble yourself, you can't reach nobody. Wouldn't no one listen to you talking about them, cutting them down, looking down on them. You got to humble yourself to their level and show them love of Christ in order to get them to come to Christ. See, and then you can win them when you show the love of Christ to them then you can win them. That's correct. See, you can't go in there uh, uh, being who you are in order to bring somebody to your level. You have to go in there to their level to bring them up. That's what Jesus Christ did. Mm -hmm. he, he, he dropped off all his power, mm. all his authority to reach them. That's right. and, and that's what he did. That's how he reached so many. Uh, we know Christ. He won't want everybody to know who we know Christ. We want to look down, look and talk about them, telling them what they got to do to get where we at. God said, no, 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 no. That's not the way I want you to do it. I want you to go to that level. Put yourself back when you wasn't saved. Mm. Put yourself back. When, when you, you didn't were, know me. When you didn't know me. When you was just as dirty and filthy as they were. Wow. And show them the love that you want somebody to show you when you was where they were, where they're at. What? And bring them to me. See, that's what we have to do as Christians. Remember where you were before you got where you at. In other words, don't forget where you came from. Thank you. All right. So yes. as Christ made his way through Jerusalem and Capernaum and other cities of his time, the sick, disabled, and poor crowded around him, the healer. His heart went out to suffering humanity. Mm -hmm. So in the city, there is more of everything, more people, more buildings, more traffic, more problems. Right. So this presents a real challenge for the churches. So those sharing the gospel cannot simply ignore the massive human needs around them and concentrate on the message alone because to do so discredits the message. That's right. So if our actions do not demonstrate the compassion, grace, and hope 
of which we speak, then what we speak will be powerless. Right. What you do when you go to the city, you find a man been sleeping in an alley for six months, mm. dirty, nasty, hungry, haven't eaten, eaten in a month, been sleeping out in a box for six months to win him to God. First you take him out, you buy him something to eat. Then you give him some clean clothes and a bath. And then you tell him about Jesus. See, what you're doing, See, you meet his first need. His first need. He's hungry See, and he needs to be cleaned you up. Don't, you don't go to him tell him he needs Jesus. You need to clean up. You help him first. You serve him. In other words, what he's saying, well, what Jesus is going to do for me now? I don't have a place to live. I there don't have you no go. food. I don't have no clean water. So you telling me about Jesus, what, what is he going to do about my needs right now? Well, where is Jesus? I've been sleeping in this box for right. eight months. Where is Jesus? I don't have eight in a week. Where is Jesus? I'm dirty. I'm nasty. See, you can't confront people with Jesus until you serve them first. Amen. And then when you go to tell them about Jesus, they'll see Jesus in you. Because all you have done for them, you have taken care of their needs. That's what Jesus did when he walked this earth. He took care of people's needs. He healed the sick. Mm -hmm. He fed the hunger. Yeah. See, but we're so quick to preach Jesus and walk away leaving, somebody, leaving someone hungry. Walk away leaving somebody without lights. Walk away leaving somebody with their gas tank empty. Walk away leaving somebody thirsty. Walk away leaving somebody dirty, nasty, and we telling them about Jesus. They don't see no Jesus in that. That's right. Amen. So, so Paul did all the things he needed to do to pull people to Jesus. That's to right. see So they could see Jesus in him. He adapted to the environment he was in. That's right. He adapted to the environment they, he was in, and that way people saw Jesus in Paul. That's right. He yeah. served. Mm -hmm. He served before he talked. That's it. That's he what Jesus did. He served before he opened his mouth. Mm. He gave them their needs. And that's what we need, need to do as Christians. We so fast to talk about Jesus, but we don't serve no one. You know, the, the biggest problem, even more so today, <clears throat> is these cities. It is really becoming such a polluted, sinful place to oh, go anymore. Yes. The cities are so bad. It's so many mass shootings just in one month. They had so many mass shootings in a week. I forgot how many they had. They was counting so many. Well, that's why when you go to the city, you got to go with Jesus. Because you can't go there or you'll get called up. Yes. You'll get caught up in all the sin that's going mm -hmm. on. That's like Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes. That's why uh, we told what a lot to go, a lot could go get his family. Mm -hmm. His wife was caught up because her kids was there. She didn't want to let go of them. Still so had she more got family yeah. in Sodom. And and they her kids didn't want to leave, so her, her heart, heart was still there. Her heart was still there. She got caught up. When you go there, you gotta go there with Jesus and for Jesus' purpose only. 
That's correct. So you don't get caught up in all that crap that's going on, the murder, the killing, the rape, the whores, the gambling houses, and the clothes, and the cars, and the buildings, and all that stuff. You won't get caught up in that worldly stuff because you'll be there about the father's business. Amen. You know, we're going to go to Exodus chapter 2 and verse 23, 24, and 25. Okay. Exodus chapter 2, starting at verse 23. 23, okay. <clears throat> However, after a long time, nearly 40 years, the king of Egypt died, and the Israelites were sighing and groaning because of the bondage. They kept crying, and their cry because of slavery ascended to God. And God heard their sighing and groaning, and earnestly remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with, with Jacob. God saw the Israelites and took knowledge of them and concerned himself about them, knowing all, understanding, remembering all. Mm. Okay, we're also going to look at Exodus chapter 6 and verse 5. 6 and verse 5. Okay. I have also heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians have enslaved, and I have, I have earnestly remembered my covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob. We also look at Psalm chapter 12, verse 5. Psalm chapter 12 and verse 5. All right. Now, I'll, now will I arise, says the Lord, because the poor are oppressed. Because of the groans of the needy, I will set him in safety and in the salvation for which he pants. So what the message, what's the message found in these texts for us? Well, for one, he's going to, what is he saying? I hear your groaning and your moaning. And I will deliver you. I'll hear you. Let me go to Romans in the New Testament, chapter 8 and verse 22. Romans 8, 22. Okay. <clears throat> we know that the whole creation of irrational creatures have been moaning together in the pains of labor until now. So the whole world is groaning about what's going on on this earth. That's what's going on. The, the whole world is groaning because of the sin that's going on on this earth. So our world is a hurting place. It groans under the weight and suffering of sin. So none of us, no matter who we are, escapes that reality. No, that is definitely reality. Everybody is moaning, groaning about the killing, the murder, the robbing, the stealing, the rape, the abortions, uh, uh, lesbian, gays, war. war. I mean, bloodshed. bloodshed, everything that's Abuse. going on, people are very upset about it. The whole the earth whole is moaning earth and groaning. is in pain. That's right. So before we move on to more of the urban ministry in the end time, we're going to take a break 
and play a song. But we want you to keep it locked in on LPJ 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweetang Bible Study Hour.
Carolyn's fragrance. Better she than blessed. Better than blessed. Ooh, love she, it. She said, you give me my needs. And, and give you me. sprinkle with a few of my dreams. Few of my dreams. <laughs> I tell you, that ain't, that ain't a good God, I'll tell you. Mighty God, God we serve Oh, that's a mighty God we serve. I'll tell you, just look around you mm. and see what you've been blessed with. That's I'll right. tell you, Better just look around. Blessed. I ain't talking about your wants. I'm talking about your blessings. And your blessings. All right. So if you just joined us, you are listening to LPJ 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing Bible Study Hour. And we're talking about urban ministry in the end time. Now we're going to go to Job chapter 24 and verse 12. Job chapter 24 and verse 12 says, From out of the populous city men groan. And the very life of the wounded cries for help. Yet God seemingly regards not the wrong done to them. Mm. So this pain also offers us powerful opportunities for what? Witnessing. Yes. But we also need to be careful here. When it comes to how a church is perceived by non-members in terms of its neighborliness, it is important to understand the difference between community events and an ongoing service that actually meets needs. There is a difference in the minds of a community between a church that delivers food to the families once a year during a holiday or one like a particular church plant in a large city. Amen. So. You got some that meets the need once a year or during a holiday, but you really need a church that's planted there to do what? To meet the to needs. To meet the needs. All the time. All the time. All the time. Not a part-time church to meet the needs of the now. It's like that lady say, I'm blessed. Better she, than blessed. Better than blessed. She's blessed all the time. Not, mm -hmm. not just one day out of the week. Or one day out of a month. Or one day out of a year. God was blessing her all the time. And then every now and then he'll speak a little, a little bit of dreams in there. A little bit of dreams in there. He was blessing her all the time. You need a church that serves people all the time. Because again, what does this church do? Well, it meets in a community center that operates on a daily basis. That's what I'm talking people about. People can go there any morning and get a hot breakfast. And it is not even that large of a church. It has only about 75 members, but they are fully committed to meeting the needs of their neighbors in an urban neighborhood. Now, we, we, we know of a church right here that does that. They feed six days a week. Yes, they do. They feed six days a week. Every day they feed. Every day. Every day so they, they give a big need. They have a hot lunch. Not one day. Not two days. But, but every, every day. day they mm -hmm. feed. Every day. They feed every well, day. And then, you know, they have church on Sunday, but they still meet six days a week to make That's sure right. that they meet the needs they, of, of the, the community. They, they feed every day. And, and, I think they check blood pressure or something every so often. They yeah. meet the need mm -hmm. of the people. I mean, every day. This is the kind of people you need that serve the people every day, not once or twice a week. You know, this is a great work because for one that takes dedication and a sense of obligation to help those in need. 
Right. So it's a great work, but you got to be dedicated to doing it. Well, that's where they see God, is yeah. when you meet their needs mm -hmm. all the time, not sometime, but all the time. I mean, we, uh, big we cities. We're telling big, people to come to church, right. but we don't meet the needs right. before we tell them. And you got, plenty, you got plenty of that going on in the city. Yes. Well, you know. I got to make it for myself. Times is tough. Yeah. I got to use my money. I can't give nobody nothing. I'm barely making myself. Well, you know, uh, people hear that. And then the next day, somebody come talking about go to church with me. But uh, this but man. But their is, needs haven't right, been met. Their needs haven't been met. And they can't see God. They don't know that God exists. That's right. Give to those that are in need. God tells us to help the poor, the old, the children. The homeless. The homeless. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, he he tells us to do that. We can't do that, but we can go on that big vacation every year. We can get that new car. Mm -hmm. We can buy that $300 suit. That two hundred dollar dress, and we can get our wigs and our eyelashes and our nails. Nails done. We can buy them uh, eighty dollar shoes, but we can't feed a man a meal because we don't know if he needed it or not, or if he putting on, or why can't he get a job? That's not the answer as a Christian. It's true. If you want somebody to see God and come to Jesus. You've got to give his need. It's not up to you or I to decide if he needs it or not. That's correct. That's not our job. Because if Jesus decided that, you and I would be in hell right now. He would have never went to the cross. <laughs> That's right. He said, take them all. I ain't going because they ain't going to do right. They living in sin. They were born in sin. So let them die in sin. Have. But he opened the door. Unconditional love. Unconditional love. So we can repent and be saved even in our sin. He went to the cross. Amen. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13. And okay. we're going to start at verse 3. Matthew 13. Oh, let me get that out the way there. Okay, Matthew 13. I'm on my mm -hmm. way. And starting at verse 3. Verse 3. Okay. We're going to read down to 9. Okay. And he told them many things in parables, stories by the way of illustration and comparison, saying, A soul went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell by the roadside, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they had not much soil, and at once they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they dried up and withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them out. Other seeds fell on good soil and yielded, yielded grain, some a hundred times as much as was sown, some sixty times as much, and some thirty. So he who has ears to hear, let him be listening and let him consider and perceive and comprehend by hearing. So we're going to also go to Matthew chapter 18. Well, wait a minute. We're going to stay in Matthew 13. We're going to go down to 18 through 20. 
Okay, stay in 13 mm -hmm. and go to 18 and 20, okay. 18, 19, 20. Okay, listen to, listen then to the meaning of the parable of the sower. Sower, while anyone is hearing the word of the kingdom and does not grasp and comprehend it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the roadside. So as for what was sown on thin rocky soil, this is he who hears the word and at once welcomes and accepts it with joy. Yet it has no real root in him, but is temporary, inconsistent, lasts but a little while. And when afflictions or trouble or persecution comes on account, of the word at once he is caused to stumble he is repelled and begins to distrust and desert him whom he ought to trust and obey and he falls away mm. verse 22 as for what was sown among thorns this is he who hears the word but the cares of the world and the pleasure and delight and glamour and deceitfulness of riches choke and suffocate the word, and it yields no fruit. Mm. As for what was sown on good soil, this is he who hears the word, grasps and comprehends it. He indeed bears fruit, and yields in one case a hundred times as much as was sown, and in another sixty times as much, and in another thirty. Whoa. So, though this is a familiar story, how can we take what it teaches in order to help us better understand how to minister and to witness to our community, including the cities? Yes. You know, though set in a rural context, this parable is in fact more important in urban ministry than in small towns and rural areas because urban areas have a great, a greater variety of soil. That's true. So this explains why it is more challenging to conduct evangelistic campaigns in cities than more in the rural areas. Because you know it has different soil conditions, yes. produce different kinds of results. Yes. It's suggesting the need to study the soil conditions before investing in evangelism activities. Yes. That's because, very true. Yeah, because the needs are different. The needs are the different. Needs are different. You, and you yeah, got all different kinds of yeah, soil. Yeah, you got all different soil, so you got to spend back and check out the soil, see what the needs are. That's true. And then that's what you got to meet first. Amen. You got to meet that need. And yeah, once you meet needed. their needs, they are more willing to listen to you than to go in there, bam, 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 bam. Uh, you're going to run them away. You're going to run them away, you know. You know, because uh, you, you you may go in there and they may have been praying, praying, mm -hmm. and haven't got anything. It's because they don't know God. They don't have a relationship with God. And and, and that's why their prayers haven't been answered. And you go in there talking about God. They've been praying. They ain't got no results, man. You may get cut up. You know what? <laughs> you that's know? very true because it has limited good ground. You may not have a lot of good ground. So the best thing to do you must plan to improve that soil That's by right. softening there the hard go. pathways, removing the rocks, and pulling up 
the thorn. There you go. That is, for evangelism to be successful, the church must work ahead of time preparing go. the soil. There you go. Now, this can make a great deal of difference in how effective an evangelistic campaign yeah, can because, be. You know, before you, Very before, true. before you have to know God, you know, you you, you heard about God, you heard about Christians, you you know, you pray for things. And you and, also got to remember there are people that have been in the church and been hurt by the go. church. So go. it made them an unbeliever. Yeah. So therefore, they're going to be a little, a lot more harder to reach again. Well, see, that's the soil he's talking that's about. That's the soil he's you, talking you, about. You got to look at these different kind of soils and you got to check it out before you went in there talking about God. You got to see what kind of soil you're walking on. So you know how to, to redo the soil and make it rich so you can grow something in it. Right. So, so you can plant it and God can grow it. You, you got to know what you're doing. You just can't walk in there and pick that word at them and expect them to receive it. You got to mm -hmm. know where they're coming from, how they've been hurt, where they've been, what they've been through, and why they've been through it and everything. And that takes a while. Exactly. It takes a while to learn that. You mm -hmm. have to learn the person. You got to get to know the person. And to do that, you work on their needs. You work on their needs. You take care of their needs little by little. And they'll open up more and more and more and more and more and more. Right. And then you'll find out. And then you can lead, be a light to them to go to Jesus Christ. You know what, and that is true. Now, we're not going to read all of these, but 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 and Ephesians 4, the scriptures teach about spiritual gifts. And they say that there are a multiplicity of different gifts, but only one mission. That's right. So the types of soil mentioned in the parables show the need for many different gifts to be included in reaching the cities. So every one of us got different gifts. You might have a gift, gift of hospitality, yes. a gift of this, and yes. a gift of that. But you got to have multi-different gifts in order to reach, because you might be able to reach somebody somebody else can't reach. Right, and because you talk about walking to a city where people have been put out, thrown out, hungry, yeah. murdered, seen people murdered, raped, beat up. Every, all kind of stuff. Exactly. They have been down all kind of walks of life. Now you kids can't go in there throwing God at them and expect them to see Jesus Christ with the life that they have been through. Exactly. You just can't go in there and throw that. Jesus knows that. He knows this. So you have to go in there as if they have been in the jungle that they have been bit and almost ate up by the lion. You know, and that is so true. There's new methods must be introduced. God's people must awake to the necessities of time in which they are living. Through the gift of divine insight, you know, it's necessary to be effective in urban ministry. It is even more necessary today to have a wide variety of approaches right. and gifts working within a large, multifaceted strategy. Strategy, Because, you know, you need a lot of people, not a lot, just those that have different gifts. 
So even a single campaign or one major project will not achieve much in the long term, but the massive scale and the complex structure of the city simply swallows such programs, and within a few weeks, there is no trace of an impact. You know, I so had a, more needs to be done beforehand. Yeah. You know, I had a friend one time. He had been to Penn before, been to Penn, mm -hmm. and, and he got out, and I worked with him for years. Right. And uh, he had been out here. He was a, a pretty decent guy. He worked hard, and he knew his trade. He was good in his trade. And he had been incarcerated for quite a few years. And he uh, got out and he worked hard. I became pretty good friends with him. And one day he uh, come by my house and we were just sitting out there talking. And he said, man, uh, I, I, I got to go back. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I, I got to go back. I, I just can't make it out here. Mm. You know, I just it, it's too tough for me. I, I can't handle it. I said, what do you mean, man? You got a job, you're doing all right, you're making money. He said, but I can't, I just can't handle it. It's a whole different world. And what, they, he had been mocked up so long that he had became what they, uh, what do you call it? Uh, institutionalized. Institutionalized. Mm -hmm. He could not make it out here anymore. He ended up going back because he became institutionalized. Mm -hmm. He had got used to somebody telling him what time to go to bed, what time to get out, taking care of him. He got sick. They took care of him. They took him to the doctor. Uh, they gave him a place to sleep. He had everything given to him. And he was not used to being on his own, have to make decisions and everything like that. And right. so you have to get... You got, that's why you got to know how to deal with people because everybody different. has different things. And everybody has been through something. And everybody been through something. So just running in, throwing something down your throat, do not work. And God will not do that. Amen. God will not do that. He will take his time and get to know people. Well, well God already knows them. And he knows everything about them, but he wants us to take our time to get to know them, know their burdens, and give them their needs so they can see the light of Jesus in us. That's right. You know, we're going to go to John chapter 15 and verse 12 and 13. Verse 12 and 13. Okay. John chapter 15, verse 12 and oh, 13. Oh, I got, I got, I got. 12, I'm sorry, 15. We start at verse 12. Yeah, okay, there we go. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. No one has greater love, no one has shown stronger affection than to lay down, give up his own life for his friends. We also go to James chapter 1 and verse 27. Okay. James chapter 1 and verse 27. Okay. External religious worship, religion as it is expressed in outward acts, that is pure and unblemished in the sight of God the Father in this, to visit and help and care for, James chapter 1 and verse 27. All right. <laughs> I thought you was already there. I'm there. External religion, worship, religion as it is expressed in outward acts that is pure and unblemished 
in the sight of God the Father is this, to visit and help and care for the orphans and widows in their affliction and need, and to keep oneself unspotted and uncontaminated from the world. Amen. Amen. So because of the massive size of urban population, it's easy to lose sight of the fact that faith is personal. The bottom line in reaching the cities or any other place is individuals finding a personal relationship with Christ. Right. So research has shown that the vast majority of converts to the church say that they join because of a relationship with an acquaintance. And oftentimes, friendships, especially in the case of outreach, involve depth to self and a willingness to work for the good of others. Amen. And that's what we got to realize, that it is a personal relationship with Christ. You have that personal relationship with Christ, and he'll give you what you need to reach others. And you believe when you have that personal relationship with Christ, when he sets someone before you, you better believe that's the person he wants you to be a light. Amen. Be a light for that person. You better believe that person is the one. He already knows. You can help that person. Yes, he does. It may take time and it takes a lot of love to reach and encourage and nurture that individual. Just remember that humility, kindness, gentleness, and patience is what reaches the masses. That's right. And he won't put anyone before you that he knows that you cannot. Give him light to see him. God doesn't do that. He's not going to put someone before you that you'll turn them against him. There'll be someone that he knows that you have the patience and things that you can help that person. It's only when we step out on our own that we mess up things. That's right. One thing before we go on, um, we got to remember one is another approach we need to learn how to be friends with people. We need to learn how to listen to them. We need to learn how to love them. Amen. 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 That's right. And all that you do, do it and in love. love. And love covers a multitude of sin. sin. So do it in love. That's right. That's so right. we want to thank you for joining us right here on LPJ. 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing. We're going to play a song. We come back with closing comments, prayer, and our email address. Keep it locked in on LPJ 64.
Say you love the Lord. I As a matter of fact, I can say I'm in love with Jesus. Oh, I'm in love with Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, you you can say it. You can say it. Now, I don't mean you're perfect, but you can say I Amen. love you, Lord, and He's got some work to do on me. But you can still say I love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. So Amen. we want to thank you so much for joining us right here on LPJ. 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweetbang Bible Study Hour. Our closing comment tonight is the call to reach the cities is personal. It is a call to a deeper experience with Christ ourselves and a call to earnest intercession as well as comprehensive planning and implementation. It is built completely on the foundation of revival and reformation, for it is going to be accomplished only by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And just think about that. The next time you go home for a break, wherever you live, try to reach somebody for Jesus. Even it's just one. Tell somebody about Jesus. If it ain't but one. Amen. Try to trust someone. Be that light that they may see Jesus in you. Amen. So now we have closing prayer. A mind to pray. Dear Almighty and Omnipotent God, our Father, our Creator, and everlasting help, we humbly approach your throne in the precious name of Jesus. We eagerly enter your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise, recognizing you are infinite in power and might. The fullness of your ways are past knowing, and your majesty is both seen and felt. Your word says you will grant us the very desire and will to do those things that are pleasing in your sight. In the name of Jesus, the first and the last, we ask for our mind to pray and revelation to have a deeper and more intimate fellowship with you. We ask that you drive out all distractions and the cares of this life and give us a sincere heart to seek your face with great expectation and hope. Let us have the same attitude of Christ, who was totally faithful and dependent on you. In the name of Jesus, help us, Holy Spirit, to submit our minds to the purpose and plans of God while teaching us how to follow him daily. Let us turn from our wicked ways so that our sins be forgiven and that you hear our prayers and restore our land. In the name of Jesus, renew our minds and saturate them in your word that our thoughts are pure and steadfastly focused on you. Draw us near and let us listen attentively to your voice, cherishing every moment in prayer and fellowship with you. Let us desire your presence more than our natural food and give us a mind to pray and seek your kingdom above all else while trusting you to provide all of our needs. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. Amen. And may the windows of heaven open and pour upon you a bundle of blessings. 
And if you have any Bible questions or you need prayer, you can email us at robtgina50 at gmail.com. And remember, we come on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. And we want to thank each and every individual that have downloaded, that have enjoyed these uh, Bible study lessons, praise God for each and every individual. Yes. And may God continue to bless and strengthen you that you may go out and witness to people as well. Yes, be a light in someone life that uh, God may bless you. That's right. For being that light, showing someone, someone that God lives in you. As a matter of fact, like you said, you, you light one candle and somebody light another, and what happens? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It just continues to grow. It continues to grow. So may God bless you until we meet again. Have a wonderful and blessed weekend, and also happy Sabbath, and have a great night. <laughs>